The COVID-19 pandemic showed us just how vulnerable supply chains are. Today, we face many threats, shipping delays, a lack of workers, failing infrastructure, transportation rates that are out of control, cybersecurity threats, and of course, a worldwide pandemic that is still very much with us. But with each of these threats comes opportunities. Welcome to this limited podcast series from CSEMP's Supply Chain Quarterly, the top 10 supply chain threats. This podcast is sponsored by Ryder, the only fully integrated logistics and transportation provider in the industry. Ryder solutions cover the entire supply chain, including warehousing, transportation logistics, e-commerce fulfillment, and last mile. Discover how Ryder can make you ever better at Ryder.com. Today, we focus on weather extremes. Here is your moderator for this segment, Mitch McDonald, Group Editorial Director Emeritus of Supply Chain Quarterly. Hello and welcome to the latest installment in our podcast series on supply chain risks. Our topic today is extreme weather and the risks it poses to supply chains worldwide. And with both severe weather and supply chains in the mainstream news like never before, who better to join us for discussion on this topic than Kathy Fulton, the Executive Director of the American Logistics Aid Network, or Alan for short. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I think it's your first podcast seating with us. We're excited to have you. The general consensus, clearly, is that not only is weather becoming more extreme, but it's popping up in non-traditional ways and non-traditional areas. Now, as part of your work with Alan, you have to be much more plugged in than a lot of us on this. Is that general consensus right? Is the weather getting worse? And is it hitting areas in ways it historically has not? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, you can see the number of extreme events climbing over the past you know, decade right. even. Um, but in different ways. Thinking, you know, I, I think about the drought we're having out in California right now, right? It, you know, just historic uh, low lake levels yep. and, you know, conversations we've never had to have before because of these extreme events. You look yep. at 2020 and the hurricanes that we had, record number of hurricanes. So that number and the, not just the extremity of the events, but the impacts that they're having on populations. So. Weather's not a problem if it's happening mm -hmm. where nobody lives. Right. But now we're building in places and the weather is occurring in places that uh, is having an impact not just on humans, but on our supply chains, yep. which means also more humans. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and it, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about in terms of places you wouldn't actually see it. I don't think ever in our lives have we seen a video image of water running down the stairs into a New York City subway. Right. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. I mean, and and the loss of life that accompanies that because we're not accustomed to dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Right. We're just we have not built our infrastructure to handle these extreme events. So as we look at you know, how do we mitigate, how do we prepare for these things? It's going to take really creative thinking, not just for you know, like our built environment, mm -hmm. but also how we live our lives. Right. Right. No, it, it, things are changing. And, and they'll continue to. On the, the difference of some different geographic areas being impacted, Allen is coming up on 15 years? 16. 16. Hurricane <laughs> Katrina in 2005, so 16 Thank years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of experience now, a lot of sense of how to best rally support, how to deploy support, how to get things where they needed to be. 
But now that they're starting to have to be in different places, is that complicating? Or are you in the routine to say, we just do the same things, but now it has to go to New Jersey rather than Mississippi? The Gulf Coast, right. Yeah, it, it is different. But the thing that, um, that I would say that helps us is that there are logistics operations everywhere. And with pushing more logistics into urban areas, mm-hmm. you know, and we can talk about whether that whether that has an impact on some of these uh, extreme events. But as those, you know, as those logistics hubs get closer to point of consumption, that means that those assets and resources sure. become available to us to support the humanitarian activities. So, the naturally occurring expansion of logistics operations to quote get closer to the customer is being done for capitalism reasons for commerce for business but it's actually there's a side benefit that now we have more options deployed in more areas that's right yeah Yeah, i mean uh, you know we still have pockets of the country where you know it just doesn't make sense to have that density of logistics fortunately at least for now those are still areas where the extreme events you know don't have as much impact, you know. As more people move to Wyoming and Montana, for mm-hmm. example, the logistics, you know, infrastructure will follow. Yep. So, I, it's a race. <laughs> it, yeah. Is um, are there any specific things that, uh, not speaking in terms of in support of Allen and yeah. response, but just you know, in, in crisis situations, it affects supply chain resiliency. Yes. Any thoughts on any? changes in approach or process that supply chain folks might have to consider to prepare for the fact that the resiliency of my supply chain is going to be tested more often and in more ways than I ever thought. Yeah. What should they be doing? Well, you know, this is one of the areas where I think technology is keeping pace or advancing beyond how we're using it. So the visibility that has been, you know, growing over the past few years, you know, this, this push towards being able to see end-to-end with your supply chain that gives us an advantage to to also say okay well if we know this information about our supply chain about our nodes and flows mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. where where our physical components are then we can layer on top of that the particular risks that are occurring so we can see how um, a and a new extreme event, you know, that may not have occurred in a place previously is right. going to impact our supply chains. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I think from that perspective, um, having that visibility, applying it in those ways, whether it's digital twins or whether, you know, I, I don't know all the technology terms anymore, but I think that that's going to help us right. um, better respond to prepare for mitigate against these extreme events. They actually, as you're saying that they're, they're actually, I mean, the, the, the purpose and objective of a supply chain in its normal state is not all that indifferent than the purpose and objective when it's trying to help respond to a disaster. So the same approach is, yeah. as you're saying this, I'm saying, you know, it's the standard answer. It's your job to fully exploit enabling technologies. If you don't, you'll be at a disadvantage. Yeah. And that, that's really well, where it will come. You know, it, we talk about uh, not just exploiting the existing technologies, but exploiting um, their design. So mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, exactly what we talked about, we have these planned bottlenecks, as they were, of logistics hubs, yep. right? But that also means that that's a concentration that we can draw upon. And because they're closer to the people, 
um, that means there's more of them. So if hub A within a city is down, maybe hub B can surge to, to support it. But it's it's thinking about how do we how do we do that on the fly? Yeah. So how do we how do we recognize that we can shift that those flows to continue to serve a population? Has Allen's ability to respond when needed during this pandemic period at a time that many supply chains are, if not fully broken, at least seriously impaired. Has that trickled down to impact Alan's ability to respond in the way you wanted to? And if so, could you tell us how that? Um, short answer is absolutely yes, 100%. Um, because, uh, you know, I don't want to take resources away from a supply chain that is already stretched thin, mm -hmm. right? So being able to ask our partners, hey, can you can you donate your services to support this, you know, other supply chain, this other need that is occurring? But we have to think about that closely. Like, is it better to keep that pre-existing supply chain moving? Or is it better to, in that moment, serve the, you know, the replacement supply chain? We've had amazing support from the from the industry yep. you know people are finding creative ways to support us whether that is you know working not with just their primary assets but partner assets mm -hmm. you know helping us to to really dig down through the supply chains find that available capacity find the ways to continue serving those who are who are affected by crisis uh, to close um Neither of us are scientists, and I would not suggest either of us are experts, but by the nature of your work and the great work you do, you may have some insights that, that are a little deeper than the rest of us. Um, is this going to continue to escalate? Is this going to, uh, are we not yet near the end of seeing what climate change could do in terms of impact of supply chains? Um, in my unscientific yes. but studied right. opinion, um, you asked the question better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I truly do believe that um, we we are reaching that tipping point where it's going to be very hard to um, come back from, yeah. right? So we have to think about how do we restructure our supply chains so that there is less impact on the environment, so that we're not doing more harm mm -hmm. by our activities than good, you know, and whether that means you know, nearshoring, reshoring, or just, you know, completely changing our model, yeah. we do have to, to change something. Both the business case and the human case for having a, a, a more sustainable supply chain is being made right in front of us. 100%, because, I mean, what's the point of having fabulous supply chains if there's no one, you know, if the, the earth can't support the people to Absolutely, fully to agree. Kathy, thank you, as thank always. You. You've given us some great insight for our audience. And thanks for joining us for a conversation. And thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to our entire upcoming series on supply chain risks. I'm Mitch McDonald, and thanks again for listening to the Supply Chain Quarterly Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from CSCMP's Supply Chain Quarterly, the top 10 supply chain threats. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.